Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. It's been a while, but today we're kicking off a brand new mini series. And for this series, I'm joined by an application development platform that unites business and IT teams by enabling problem solvers of any technical background to work together to safely, securely, and sustainably create an ecosystem of applications. And it's QuickBase. QuickBase helps customers see, connect, and control complex projects that reshape our world. Whether it's raising a skyscraper or coordinating vaccine rollouts, the no-code software platform allows business users to custom-fit solutions to the way they work, using information from across the systems they already have. We've had QuickBase on the show once before, but I'm really excited to have this opportunity to dive much deeper through this four-part special. We're going to really get behind the scenes of what they do and how they can help solve a huge variety of problems. So today in episode one, which is C, we'll be taking a closer look at people, the workers on the front line of the industry right now, the challenges, the opportunities, and exactly how QuickBase can optimize and automate to connect people and workflow together. So welcome back to the show, Peter. Hey, Sarah. It's really good to be back. Thanks for having me. I am thrilled to have you here again. I mean, you were on the show back in October, and it was actually one of the first times I started to hear about things like no-code, low-code, and citizen development. I learned so much from that show, and it helped me realize that the team at QuickBase are really leading the pack in the industry right now. So I really cannot wait to find out more. So let's just dive right in. So for anyone that missed the last show, can you remind us who are QuickBase? What do you do? How do you help your customers? And maybe perhaps give us an update for those that did catch the last show on what's happened in the past six months since we last spoke. Sure. And first of all, wow, I can't believe it's been six months. Um, but here we are. So um, as you may remember, what we do at QuickBase is we help our customers see connect and control some of the really complex projects that they're um, undergoing to reshape the world from building up a skyscraper, coordinating the vaccine rollouts. That's been a theme. It's really the, the, that no-code platform that we talked about uh, is allowing individuals in the business to custom fit solutions to the way they work um, rather than kind of reforming uh, the monolith systems and they do that by incorporating their existing investments in technology. That's a key piece. It's how do we bridge across the things that we already use. And in the last six months, actually, we've really undergone a doubling down of our strategy to focus on our customers in the built environment. And we, we actually went out and bought a company. We bought a company called MCF Technologies. They are a longtime partner. And um, they have a specialty in, in, in delivering these kinds of complex projects. And they have a lot of plugins and technology they've built along the way. So I think um, what you'll find over the next few months is, um, A, uh, our, our skill set in this area increasing, but then B is a double down on automation and kind of productivity tools to help you know, folks that are in the field and in technology to, to deliver, deliver projects. And, and I'll walk you through some of that a little, a little bit later in, in today's talk. I love to hear that. And like I said, you're leading the pack, right? You know, I kind of 
think about some of the tools, like the productivity tools that we use for business in general and how you're taking that concept and really bringing that into supply chain. So today we're talking about people. And is it an understatement to say that frontline workers have had a tough time these last two years? I mean, now that we're out of the worst of the pandemic, knock on wood, what are the challenges that businesses are facing now? We're hearing a lot about labor shortages, for example, and how have those challenges really changed from just a couple of years ago? Yeah, the frontline workers are having challenges and then the the folks that are trying to hire and retain and train and and continuously upskill those workers are also having a, a huge challenge. And um, you know, we're hearing a lot. Of, okay, it's a it's a job seekers market, and it's. I, I think COVID has put a, a huge um, spotlight on on the need to improve some of the processes that are touching turnover and touching um, uh, you know the field workers. So I think of four kind of key areas. One is the hiring process. Um, the second is once someone's hired, is the how do we keep them re- retaining? Third, and that's going to tie into safety, is compliance. I think a lot of times when you're moving people around a lot, it becomes harder and harder to ensure you're compliant to things like job skills with roles. And then there's there's training and onboarding. So uh, a lot of the themes I was, I was thinking about this podcast, a lot of the themes are how do you get the tribal knowledge that is in the heads of a lot of individuals integrated into your processes and the systems and the tools? So I think COVID has kind of underscored the need to pivot more towards uh, improving on those 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 four uh, um, kind of buckets, if you will. And there's a yeah, lot we can I mean, talk about there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's. I, I'm going to add on to that there because I've been having some discussions um, with another provider just about sort of that matchmaking, right? Because individuals are coming to organizations looking for a variety of different things based on their particular circumstance and who they are as a person, right? So how long does it take me to get to work? Um, Are there flexible hours so that I can have some more work-life balance and I can be with my family, but also have, you know, business hours that work for me? And then how do you really figure out whether they're the right organization for you? I mean, traditionally, you've applied for the job, you know, they interview you, they go through your resume, you get hired, and then you go through training and then what if it just doesn't gel? Then what? Then it's kind of a waste of time for everybody. And so there's there's a lot more coming out as far as technology on matchmaking people with the right organizations, which I think is really the right mindset. But you mentioned about compliance. And you mentioned that that's a little bit um, to do with safety. So what about safety? Because job site safety has, you know, changed dramatically since COVID. What are the big priorities right now when it comes to, when it comes to that? Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna steal your words on on matchmaking, and I think underscore culture is a theme throughout all this because. Yeah. I think I think what we're seeing is that what is culture sometimes is a little of an existential crisis when people are now working remotely and the expectation is that organizations should be remote first. Um, and I, I think kind of next step into safety and compliance. Well, um, I think COVID has thrown a shocker at all of us and said, "Hey, you need to be able to adapt to rules, regulations, requirements that never existed." And you may not necessarily have a tool to track this, these 10 new requirements, or you need to start capturing information that you never captured before. And so 
I think uh, I've always thought about safety as tightly coupled with continuous improvement, but never that's never always like kind of the way teams um, operate. So I, I think um, you know that the the high turnover is is causing the culture breakdown sometimes of continuous improvement, and so the priorities um, and you know thinking about what or how organizations should prioritize their next one or two years really should be in stepping back and thinking, okay, how do we address things like people are expecting to come into a job that has certain expect certain levels from a technology standpoint, certain levels from a flexibility standpoint. And so they're expecting that we are more efficient in how we solve problems from a software standpoint. So I think there's a lot of expectation that tools have more flexibility and scale and adaptability. And that's never always been the case. Um, and, uh, I think the other theme is that to, I, I'm going to steal something else. I, I think in the monthly hustle, you talked a lot about progress over perfection. And I yeah. really like that because I use that in, in advising our own clients is when you come to think about your priorities for the next few years, it's not choosing the perfect tool and spending three years, X million dollars in implementing it. It's how do you have tools that are uh, maybe less defined at the outset, but much quicker to get stood up and to iterate. And that's kind of be a theme that I, I really try to um, hammer home is to get organizations thinking about how to solve problems quickly to get solutions out the door quickly, but then incrementally improve, improve, improve uh, yeah. until you get towards perfection. You're never going to hit it, but you want to move towards it. Well, and everything is changing so fast. So you need something that is so agile that can move with the changes of not only your business, but also the environment around us, right? Because the knowledge base is changing every 12 or 18 months right now, and it's only going to get quicker. Um, and so, yeah, you definitely need to be, make sure that you're partnering with somebody. And I love that you read the monthly hustle. I mean, <laughs> and uh, I love that you <laughs> use that quote because it's, it's one of my favorite. So, um, you know, an important part of helping to tackle some of these challenges and address, you know, the priorities that you mentioned is connectivity. Yeah. Right. Because if teams don't have the right information, if that information isn't in the right place, it results in a lot more problems. So how are people in the field getting and giving information today? And where does data sort of live for your projects? Because if many guests, if many a guests on my show is to be believed <laughs> and some of our LinkedIn posts around Excel are to be believed, we're still heavily in Excel territory. Yeah, and it, it comes down to I think what I've I've learned more about human nature than I have about technology working All in this, right. in this space. It. So, uh, and, and what I find is that teams and people they will gravitate towards the path of least resistance to solving their problems. What's available in front of me, and and then other folks like leaders and executives uh, tend to latch on to the things people build in their front line. So what you'll find is your 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 um, guests probably speak a lot about Excel and access or whatever, and they'll, they'll build um, dashboards around that. And what happens is I'll solve something for myself, and then someone else is like, hey, cool, Peter, you solved that thing for yourself. Can I start adding to it? And then and then they'll share it with uh, you, Sarah. Then, hey, Sarah, um, do you have any, can you update your piece of this? And so what happens is you start with these, these sheet-type solutions, and they quickly unwind. And I see this still every single uh, day. So the 
the state of, of um, automation, it's, it's hard to build automation and say, I want to automate more without first figuring out what is your ideal process? How are you doing today? And then how do we change how we work so that we can layer automation appropriately on top of it? And we talk about automation, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of go a little bit in more depth, but I think the current state is still lots of individuals are still taking kind of the flat file approach to solving a problem, which is, you know, rows, columns, and, and not unwinding that to think, okay, I actually need the input of suppliers, customers, other teams, management to drive this process forward. So I should rethink how, how I kind of approach that problem. And then if I was to get everything into a centralized environment and clean and everyone else agrees that this is the date that this data is golden data, now we can talk about okay, automating the repetitive and then getting things like AI and ML into the story, which we should never start with. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. It's like here at Let's Talk Supply Chain, there's a few different things that my team and I are kind of talking about. It's not necessarily for supply chain, but just in sort of our day-to-day, what are the, the things that we're doing manual, manually? What are the things that we could maybe take a look at automating and using different productivity tools. So just to put it into perspective, if you're, you know, not in supply chain, you're listening to this, just, you know, to put that into perspective around technology and what it can do to just enhance some of the things that you're doing on a regular basis and give some of that time back, right? Which which is really 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 huge. So like you said, a lot of people you know, tend to gravitate towards the path of least resistance. But sometimes that's just by talking to somebody and getting somebody to help you sort of see how things can be automated that actually make it that much easier. And so let's dive into a little bit more detail around your software because it can really be designed with frontline workers in mind, right? Like to keep them connected, to keep data accurate. Um, Talk us through that. Yeah, and the the way I like to think about what we provide is is we take care of giving you uh, the latest technology and managing it, so you don't really have to worry about that. And then molding kind of the Lego bricks, if you will, to solve for um, the specific workflows that we see in the field. So, generally speaking, uh, a big part of getting of, of the field interaction with kind of central teams is we need to collect some information that's that's out there. Um, that could be photos, that could be notes, that could be marker, geographic markers, um, questionnaire surveys, audits, punch lists. I mean, I mean, you name it. Um, so I think the challenge that we see most often is that there is no team that fits. It's exactly like the last team. And so a lot of times you, you're kind of going shopping for, all right, I need something for field survey, or I need something for an audit, or I need something for assessing a, a supplier for as a new sustainable supplier that's going to pr- replace how we do workflow today. And um, what they really need is is a combination of technology that is safe, secure, scales robust, but then can be molded like Play-Doh for um, the, the frontline environment. And then allows for uh, starting fast, but then scaling. I think that's another kind of one of those, I don't know if the dichotomies, uh, that you, how do you have both of those? How do you move quickly to get something out there? But then as more and more people get involved, it just naturally allows for that con- that concurrency. So that's that's kind of the approach we tend to take and what we provide with with um, 
with with QuickBase is to give them one place to start with with capturing information, um, but in a way where anything you build can be immediately deployed to the field. So we don't we don't believe in building a mobile app. You just log into the QuickBase app, and then you can start capturing information. And then once every everyone, it's amazing what happens when everyone gets into the same place. That's like the yes. hardest part. <laughs> when everyone gets in the same place, and we're all looking at the same status field and the same delivery date and the same who's assigned to the work, uh, it tends to get rid of a lot of that time you talked about, which is a lot of times noise, noisy, noisy work, which often yep. is just hunting down who did what when, right? And mm -hmm. we spend too much time hunting and not um, responding to the insight that's supposed to come out of what happens when you get all that information together. Yeah, or copy and pasting. <laughs> How much time do we spend copying and pasting? I mean, do you have any stats on that? Because I'm going to have to go do it's some good, research. <laughs> it's a good stat, but it scares me a little bit that you bring it up because it means it must it must still be pretty pretty uh pretty prevalent. And you're not there's there is a lot of creative work that happens that is always. I try to think of what is the work that is undifferentiated heavy lifting. It's the stuff that's you're doing over and over again. But you yeah. really should be automating it. You really should be finding a, rep a repetitive or an automation. And when I talk through some of the ways that we think about automation at QuickBase, I can kind of give you some ways to like think about it. And and you know, it's low hanging fruit. And then there's like the big A automation stuff that you know is maybe a longer term project. Yeah. Well, let's 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 get into that. I'm and one other thing that you said was that bringing everybody together is kind of like magic in one place. You know, looking at the same stuff, and so definitely encourage everybody to make sure that you're you're doing that because it really does bring magic to any organization, any situation. But let's dive into automation, right? Because we're we're talking about this more and more. AI is still raising eyebrows with some, but the conversations I've been having recently are actually very positive. A lot of automation is really designed to help workers to fulfill some of those time-consuming menial tasks so that people's time can be freed up for the more important or strategic work, right? And I think um, I think we're learning more and more about how it can improve our lives rather than take away. So what are your thoughts on that, on how automation helps and how is that integrated with QuickBase? Yeah, so I think automation is always it's a net good thing um, right. that has uh, some some caveats. Uh, I, I think it's dangerous to want to jump full steam ahead into automation. I think uh, a lot of your guests have probably shared initiatives to um, use more intelligent automation as part of their business, and um, I think all automation needs to be coupled with it's kind of an obvious statement, but with strategy. And, and that is, um, what is that end state that, what is the, the brighter future going to look like as far as what an automated future is? And then how do we work back? And that a part of that is the conversation, the other conversation I think needs to happen, doesn't happen enough, is how do we empower problem solving in the business, which is where yeah. the, the world of low code or no code comes up. Because I, I, I come across a lot of smart individuals in manufacturing supply chain that really have the hunger to solve their own problems, but they're stuck because their organizations haven't prioritized coming up with a strategy to um, enable the developers of a company to develop, but also the problem solvers in the business of the company to, to leverage that and then augment with their own uh, kind of citizen-led automation. And so that strategy and that 
that discussion, I think is kind of like the baseline, assuming you've got that, um, I think of, uh, with QuickBase, especially there's kind of two ways we think about automation. One is there's a lot of low hanging fruit that you could, you could get a lot of quick wins by automating a lot of simple things okay. you may not, you may not think about. So things like an email notification when a certain status changes. So today it may be a, a polling, right? Like, Hey, Sarah, is it done? Hey, Sarah, is it done? Is it, is it done? Right. Or what's the status on this thing? Or, you know, so it's like a lot of the email network. And what I find a lot of leaders want really is a weekly status update of the projects that are in a certain state that are overdue or X, Y, Z, whatever that is, it's a little different, but you could actually automate um, events, uh, sending the right email to the right person at the right time or the right report to the right person at the right time. And I think a lot of today you get these all access email lists. Uh, you're like in this mass subscription, 200 or so people are on it. And so most of the individuals aren't getting the information they need to do their jobs at that point in time. Um, so I think of, of automating uh, report subscriptions that are contextual to you, uh, notifications, but also things like a lot of us are actually more using chat these days. So Microsoft Teams, Slack, um, Google Chat. Yeah. And I think uh, the, one, of the few, one of the expectations from the beginning of our conversation about how people expect to work remotely is that those tools are where a lot of work gets done. So I'm seeing more and more automation that, and a low-hanging fruit is if you're working in a system of record and changing the status of something, integrate it with a channel in Slack so you can kind of have that ad hoc, like, you know, very quick exchange of information, but ultimately has to, you want to keep the insight going back to that system of record. So yeah. I'll pause because I'm going to talk about the, the phase two, but did it, any, any questions or comments on, on that piece? Because there's a lot of things you can do that are like that, that are kind of the low hanging fruit of automation. Yeah. And I love that you gave those examples of low hanging fruit, right? Because a lot of times we think that it's got to be this big picture type thing. And just, you know, integrating or connecting Slack into, um, you know, the other technology systems that you're working in just to move information back and forth. I kind of go back to my comment about copying and pasting, right? We don't want to be doing that. We want the flow of information moving back and forth as easily as it is for us to even like type it, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. Go ahead. I was saying that's, and that's progress. What are the little things that yeah. can get you progress and momentum? Because that the momentum is what starts to change culture. You, you don't change culture by a multi-million dollar AI project where you have to hire, hire data scientists. You, you change yeah. it with incremental wins. So that's why I try to kind of find ways that you can win quickly where you see the result in under a week or two weeks. And then work towards, you know, the more audacious goals. Yeah, and that's some of the things that my team and I are doing. And so I know that those quick wins are super huge for not only me, the business, but the team. And they feel empowered to make these changes on their own, which I think is a really, really big thing. I mean, when you're thinking about a bigger project, how many layers do you have to go through just to get it improved? And by the time you get it approved, you're almost already exhausted. And so quick wins that empower and motivate 
and inspire everybody to do better work is just, you know, something that is also magic. And, you know, automation automation is a piece of that wider process improvement puzzle that we've been talking about. You know, we all aspire to achieve continuous improvement, but sometimes it can be tricky to prioritize prioritize to figure out where you'll get the most bang for your buck or what will bring the most impact for those frontline workers. So talk us through that process improvement piece. I mean, we've already talked about some of the quick wins, but then after that, you know, what is that process improvement piece, maybe specifically to frontline workers that really incorporates that quick-based solution? Yeah. So, you know, widening to continuous improvement, um, I think of it as it is uh, fundamentally a culture and the, what you mentioned about um, motivation is super important because mm-hmm. you're really asking people to sometimes do more work or document more than, and nobody really likes documentation and going to sources of truth and all the things that come up in, in Kaizen and lean and things like that. Um, so you, you really have to, I think, create a movement around it. And so the, the, for what we enable and the kind of pillars, I guess, from a continued improvement standpoint are, one is collection of ideas of better ways to work. So, and that, a lot of that comes from the field, whether you're walking down a manufacturing line um, or you're on a dock or you're in transport, you're, you're moving goods from A to B. Everyone that the people are the closest to the work have the insight on how things can improve. It's just not being captured and you're not seeing the trends more broadly because it's not being captured. So kind of the first pillar is how do you streamline that intake process and make it super easy for anyone in an organization that has uh, some critical, you know, the, the, has some visibility to operations to improve it. And everyone I find is a problem solver. And I think we might've talked about this. But I, either way, I'm passionate about it, which is everyone has the ability and, and is motivated by solving problems. And if you can unlock that part of an, an individual's brain, that's going to help our conversation about retention. Because people like to stay in jobs where they're solving problems that are interesting and they're getting recognized for it. So pillar one, idea intake and, prior, and prioritization. And the prioritization piece isn't necessarily the same person that's suggesting. But if you can start the, in their first phase to to grapple with that piece of it, that's kind of, I think, the first step in, in a healthy, robust, continuous improvement org. And then that leads to things like digitization of all paper forms, so getting everything together, and then centralization of information. So imagine all of the ideas of how to improve are coming into one place. You get a thousand ideas per month, and it just so happens that two to 300 of them all have a similar theme. Well, maybe that's one that we should prioritize. And then the, the, the second and third phases are, well, execution of the project. So now you can use the same tool to provide visibility back to the, in, the intake of the idea. What's the status of the project? What are the returns and how, what are the results and the measuring? A lot of times me- you also want to be able to measure, oh, but how one team measures a project is different than, so you, you also, that's where that flexibility piece comes in a lot too, is every team just has a different way of tracking success on something. And then to put across all of it, the other pillar is reporting, dashboarding, and automation, which is now you want to provide visibility out to the entire org as to what's the state of of our continuous improvement projects, what is the dollar impact, and how do I drill into the individual work? So that's kind of the spectrum I see is you want to both have the granules of, of, of stand 
that, that show you exactly what's happening and when, rolling up to visibility that cuts across the entire org. And mm-hmm. that's kind of a long-winded way of this describing, I think, how we see a healthy continuous improvement model. And that uh, you know, is, is usually all built on, on QuickBase with connectivity to maybe other systems that are part of that puzzle. Well, and just picture that full circle moment for that person or people that had provided those ideas to see them come to fruition and know that they were part of solving that challenge. How empowered does that person feel? Oh right? Just God. think yeah. about that because it's just magic. I mean, everything that you're talking about are really easy ways to connect everyone, empower everyone, and have those full circle moments where everybody is ingrained and involved in the success of the company. Hmm. Yeah, and I have to I have to say I love that full circle moment because that's exactly it. It's it's yeah. you have an idea, you've you're now been getting officially recognized for for taking an initiative on, you're solving for it, and then you're you're doing what I hear sometimes in manufacturing called the read across is your problem isn't unique to you, but now that it's in this centralized location and what you've done is documented, there's reuse over that solution. So your impact can go beyond your location, your site, your team to that same situation, that same setup in three other other locations. So that's the other thing. And that's kind of that, that it, it compounds the improving of a continuous improving culture. And it just makes someone really motivated. I'll I'll stay here and solve problems and get recognized for it than get paid $10,000 somewhere else where I'm, I feel more like a cog in, 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 the, in, the, in the wheel, in, yeah. in, the, in the machine. Yeah, the machine. Yeah, and getting up every day and making an impact. So that is kind of the benefits from a frontline worker perspective. What are the benefits that the organization gets to see when we pull together that good data, transparency with collaboration and process improvement? What's the impact going to be on the business and the bottom line? Yeah, and impact, um, I, I really try to probe for this when I have conversations because often the easiest one to say is I save time, but it's right. really hard to take time savings and turn that into something that somebody could justify against some sort of budget line item. And yeah. so a, a, a lot of the times what you actually get is improved utilization of resources, and that could mm-hmm. be both people. Um, so are, you, are, are my project teams working to their full capacity? And, and sliding them into the right jobs at the right time and kind of managing how people move between projects and that they ha- mm-hmm. and, and, and I'm starting a new project and I have the folks with the right skills in it and then reusing those skill sets everywhere. So there's a people piece and then there's utilization of assets. And that's a huge category because assets can span from, you know, job site equipment to, you know, IT assets and, and machines and technology. And then I find there's a lot of hidden costs associated with things being idle. And a lot of times, nobody knows those things are idle. So um, there are a, a lot of kind of those are the kind of the quick wins that come from getting visibility and having things come into a central um, location. And then risk ends up going down a lot. So safety, I think, is associated a lot with with risk. And especially in safety, you're not just looking for solving an incident and then resolution. It's the near misses. It's the observations. And it's also the same with compliance. A lot of, lot of I find, is organizations that aren't kind of on top of their compliance game um, are incurring fines and audits and having to spend money on things that they didn't really expect. And so if you get your compliance game um, um, together, 
with uh, automation and, and centralizing, um, then actually your risk profile tends to go down a lot. And I think a lot of organizations, uh, especially in construction, supply chain, or safety is kind of key, va- value that. Um, That's and, huge. Yeah. And then from a person standpoint, um, you know, it's less measurable, but one thing that we emphasize is reducing noise by creating a role-based, person-based um, entry point to anything you're looking at. A lot of dashboards we see, if you you know use like a Tableau or Power BI, they're they're, they're phenomenal, but they're kind of a one-size-fits-all. And what we try to do is encourage teams to um, create a role-based filter, but then also like a person-based filter. So that sometimes we hear is, hey, I only want to see the work on that screen where I'm the person assigned to the thing. I don't, and, and it's not that I don't care what someone else is working on, but when I go in and look at something, I want to see what's top of mind for me. And then I want to go and click and go to another dashboard to see how everyone else is doing. Um, that's true. Yeah. And, and so there's benefit there. Um, and, and that's a lot of it just from productivity and, and um, reducing the frustration that's sometimes associated with trying to sift through noise to get to what, what's actually that here that's important to me. Well, and the amount of innovation coming in through all of those ideas, I mean, that is just amazing on its own. Is there a case study or something that you'd like to share with us where we can sort of, you know, picture what somebody came to you with as far as a challenge and how you solved that and what that ROI looked for them specifically? Yeah, and I was thinking about this. One of my favorite examples actually comes from the the, the telecommunications industry. A lot of the big players um, are rolling out 5G, probably thinking about 6G, whatever that looks like. Um, but they're grappling with the fact that they're actually um, conglomerates of a lot of little companies that were acquired through the years with a lot of different existing you know, multi-decade te- teams that have been doing the same thing a certain way, working in the same system. And I'm seeing a really nice kind of marriage of automation uh, tools with, with, with QuickBase where the, the basic value proposition is I can't just, you know, we, we talked, I'll, I'll bring it up again, progress over perfection. You can't just implement a new um, centralized project management tool and expect that 10 different teams that are all kind of playing a part in delivering a new network line to be uh, stood up for a company, that right. it's just going to happen overnight. And it's not cost effective. It would be way too much money. So what you have to do is find a way to have a balanced approach where, you might use one system to intake data, but get visibility and, and maybe customize processes in another tool and system. So we see um, in telco um, ability to bridge 10 different teams, how they work, how they um, track information, but all roll up to single dashboard, interface with RPA, interface with on-prem systems. And the key thing that they were looking for at the very beginning of the journey was I just want visit. I, I have a goal to hit a certain month. I need to set up, you know, one thousand uh, new customer ports so that they have connectivity. But I have no idea where in the process we are with the, you know, thousands of work orders that are currently going on, and where is right. my opportunity? It's the question is not just what am I looking at. Where is the opportunity to bring in work to hit my goals that may be low hanging fruit? And it's as simple as that, but it's a powerful example because the second we are able to show visibility into into where's the opportunity for us to pull in work, uh, that's where they had the light bulb moment that we can actually bridge all these systems centralized without having to necessarily um, 
rip out every single tool that we've been building over the last 10, 20 years. And the roadmap over time is system by system, assess the, right. the life cycle. What's going to happen with this thing? So yeah. I could probably yeah. go on about that, but that's the theme I think is consistent with a lot of our customers and maybe no, your guests as well. Point. It's such a good point. I'm going to bring it back to websites, right? Websites are constantly changing. And so when we think about our technology systems, I think we've got to get out of the mindset that once we get one, it's going to be it for life because things are just changing all too often. And so it's something that you need to take a look at at the life cycle of the technology that you're bringing on board and, and what that what that means and how can it adapt? Like we said before, how agile is it? How can it adapt with you as you grow? And maybe the life cycle is that you're adding on modules, right? As you go along to really fit into the different uh, business needs that you need along the way. So wrapping up then, what do businesses need to consider and prioritize in the next year or two when it comes to people and everything we've talked about today? And do you have any insights to share for the future or new innovations from QuickBase that we can expect to see? Yeah, so I'll I'll take that... um... First, with um, priorities. So my my answer is always a little it's a little less uh, concrete because it's going to come back to um, f- philosophically as an organization. Are you stepping back to reassess uh, how how work can be done in call it the post COVID ish uh, time period? And I think the 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 conversation the, the if I were to map out progress progress in the next three months is starting a conversation with. Um, cross-functional leaders from technology delivery to business to the front lines to determine how can we in a future state better innovate and continuously improve every day so that you know the the shared services of an org are delivering the most mission critical systems ERPs is an example of that or, or CRM but the line of business is not off in a silo, but actually able to, to build on top of to create kind of the bespoke workflows, the, some of the project tracking that, that, we, that we talked about. Um, and uh, how do we then uh, support that citizen innovation, that, that problem solver? Because I believe, like I'll say again, everyone's a problem solver. But if you don't give them an avenue and an outlet for that creativity, they will find a way to solve a problem that is in another sheet or another silo and not necessarily something something that will scale. Um, and, and then I encourage, assuming you've got you know somebody that can kind of assess and ask these questions and have this conversation, you have to identify some quick some quick wins and projects to test your theories because you're not going to come up with the grand theory of the universe on how to do this uh, until you've tried it and, and tried and tried and actually put put it to work. So. The other thing is, what are then the, the projects that we could undertake as a, as a cross-functional group to test our theories and actually learn a little bit and then work backwards to identify the tools and vendors and, and solutions that can maybe help you along this journey that have that experience doing that, like, like QuickBase. I mean, we've, we've been doing this kind of thing for 20, over 20 years. So we, a lot of what you can expect from QuickBase, actually, to start to answer the second goal is we've doubled down on enablement and... Um, kind of services and support, recognizing that people love the goodness of low code and no code, but they want to know how do we apply this effectively within our organizations in a way that'll, in a way that'll scale and not have us depend on you. We don't want our customers to depend on us. We will happily help to, to kind of bootstrap smaller teams and operations. 
But our focus right now is is uh, really serving you know uh, supply chain built environment and some of these complex operational environments. But then doubling down on automation because, and I believe this uh, to my core is the more easy you make it to connect to things and create bridges. Um, yeah. I think the more dominant you'll be in um, kind of creating that the end to end workflow. So you'll see a lot of uh, talk from QuickBase about some of these plugins that we in, that we um, are developing in partnership with that that company we acquired, and then more and more automation to the sources of truth that are already prevalent in, in our, our customers' industries, you know, ERPs, data lakes, uh, co- communications tools like Slack, construction tools like uh, Procore and Autodesk. So I think it's an exciting time to be in our space and, and um, uh, look, <laughs> look forward to seeing what our customers do with the technology, honestly. I love that. I mean, what a way to kick off our mini series. I love talking about people because they really are the driving force of business. And as we've clearly seen from today's discussion, people are the link that pulls all of the most important threads together. Collaboration, visibility, optimization to achieve the absolute best results and in bringing together people and technology empowering them and giving them ownership over improvement and process, your business can really thrive. And having that all-important partner in place like QuickBase to support you in that is so important and so exciting because the potential really is endless. So if you want to check out more, uh, check them out, quickbase.com. And a massive thanks to Peter for joining me today and to the team at QuickBase for making this episode happen. And I cannot wait to see you all again for episode two of this mini series with QuickBase. Thanks, Peter. Thanks so much, Sarah. It's good to be here.